Hey, Edith. Hey, Christy. My handsome and handy husband told me to stop impersonating a flamingo. Yeah? I had to put my foot down. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Okay. Okay. I like it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Edith. We're backyard gardeners from Colorado. And neighbors. And friends. These days, gardening has gotten very popular. And we've noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips. A fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down. Hey, Christy. Hello, Edith. And Christy. What? It's been so long, I might have forgotten how to do this. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, so, you, <laughs> yeah, just kind of lead me along because you got a really good memory. Okay. Well, hello to gardeners out there and right. um, people who want to garden, people yeah. in the garden named Herb. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> right? Uh, and we and should also say we're excited today to talk about, uh, we have a guest today. Yes, we have a guest, we a have really good, important guest. Judy Seaborn from Botanical mm-hmm. Interests. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of great information for us, so that's going to be cool today. Guys, there's stuff that she talks about that I never even thought of. Yeah, it was good. You know, you guys, you have, this is, she's really good. And it's uh, Shakespeare's birthday when this episode drops Oh, on Tuesday. Well, happy birthday, Will. He will be 458 years old. Wow. And in lighter news, um, today, I think today is National Vagina Day. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's true. And, you know, I don't know what how we celebrate that. That's too much pressure. Yeah. You know? It's true. That yeah. is a good point. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, Edith, you yeah. know what's right around the corner? What? Um, World Naked Gardening Day is coming oh. up on May 7th. Right. <laughs> One of our favorite days. Yeah. Have you figured out what you're going to wear? Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Maybe shoes. Okay. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, don't go digging in the roses on that day on World no. Naked Gardening Day. Don't go nowhere near frying bacon. Okay. Well, the really big thing that happened this week is that our play opened last night. Yep. Last night. Um, Edith, you did such a great job. Oh, that's really nice of you to say, Christy. Thank you. Yeah. What was your what your, What was your big takeaway from after the play opened? Um, I was, um, myself and the rest of the cast, we were just really, really pleased with how it came together. How yeah. it just, you know, really, you get that extra opening night energy in there. And so, as you said, you being the director, you said, how do you put it, put it, do it lightly. You said, don't Once push. Once through lightly. Don't push. Once through lightly. And yet you find things. Oh yeah. Because we'd never had an audience before. Right. So uh, my takeaway was I was very happy, too, with the laughs. It wasn't that nice. Yes. Because I think you forget when we rehearse it all the time how funny it is. Yeah. And um, and I hope folks will, if you live in the Denver metro area, will get a chance to check it out because it's at Benchmark Theater in Lakewood, Colorado. And mm-hmm. we'll put a, a link in the show notes about yeah. it. And it runs until May 14th. But do not expect a comedy, but do expect laughter. Yeah. I yeah. think you, I think it, I've kind of explained to people that it's sometimes funny. Uh-huh. It's sometimes heart-touching. But I think it's also always thought-provocative play. Oh, it really, really is. Very, very thought-provoking yeah. and interesting. Indeed and you it were is. fabulous last well, night, thank Edith. You, thank you. Yeah. Um, 
it, it, I think it's so great for our community to see you in a role like this too, that this size, because at the times I've seen you before, you've always been in supporting roles. And so it's just nice to see you can stretch I, yourself. Can I just mention how, how I adore supporting roles? Because there's not as many lines to <laughs> learn. Yeah. You can go off stage, you can have a cup of coffee, you can chat. <laughs> right. But not, not in this You're party. on stage almost the whole time. Almost the whole time. Right. Yeah. Well, you were fabulous. Yeah. Well, Edith. Yes. What's going on in your garden? Oh, Christy, so many things are going on in the garden. Uh, do you want, I actually have a whole list here. Since we haven't seen each other for two weeks, a lot of things have happened. It's spring garden time. and We're in um, the thick of it. We are so in the thick. My onions are up. I planted them March 31st. I planted them in a circle. Oh, really? I have two circles of onions, yeah, in my herb garden. That, it's really That's pretty. interesting. I think that would be pretty. It, it's you know, because be lines pretty. are boring. Yeah. I was tired of doing lines. You know, herbs don't grow in lines. They grow and, in bu bunches, And right? in nature, they don't grow in lines. Right. Okay. My on, on April 1st, I planted beets, radish, and carrots. I have two radish seedlings. That's it. Maybe it was too cold. Ah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I have 31 starts, 31 little seedlings. Mm -hmm. Everything is up except the peppers, which is such a warm weather plant. They They're, take longer. They're just biding their time. And also, folks, if you are thinking about making starts, remember to use seed starter. That's what I use now on seed your recommendation. Seed starter soil mix. It's, it's, yeah, seed starter soil mix. I always leave off like really important things that I should say. <laughs> so thank you. You're welcome. Um, my garlic is up. I killed my raspberry. Uh, somebody somebody gave me yeah. transplant ras mm -hmm. raspberries. They're dead. Um, yeah, and you know, and friends, we always say this is like you know things die when you garden. Yep. If you're not killing plants, you're not you're not really doing it right. You're not trying hard <laughs> you're not enough. Trying yeah, enough. you got to kill some things. Yeah. Um, in my um, winter sowing, uh -huh. I've got cabbage. I've got romaine. The romaine is ready, I think, to go in the garden. That's how big it is. I think mine is too. Well, how, how big is yours? Like it's like four inches. Okay, I haven't looked fingers. at mine in a while, but yeah. mine might mine might be about four inches too. And, and I consider this a huge success. Um, remember when you gave me a poppy plant last year? Uh-huh. It came back. Yeah, it's a perennial. Yeah, but I always kill the poppies. It came back. Oh, miracle. It's like a miracle. Wonder of wonder. Miracles miracle of, of miracles. miracles. Nice. That's good. Yeah. So um, I think that that is it for my stuff in the garden. Well, because... Of rehearsal, I have yeah. not been out there very much, which is sad because now's the time of year to really be out there. Right. But I got, I think I got almost all my spring cleanup done. Uh-huh. So getting everything ready. I did turn the compost pile. That's good. Which, you know, is such a big chore because I have an outdoor open compost pile. So that was, that was a lot of, a lot of shoveling. And, um, you know, the spring flowers are kind of wrapping up. Yeah. The early spring. So yeah. the crocuses, the daffodils, the um, the early tulips are mm -hmm. done. And I have to say, it's been kind of a blah tulip year. Well, you know what I think happened? Huh? We had no April showers. It's been so dry. It has. We. This is the driest April, they say, that they can remember. What we had instead was wind. Yeah. Just the, yesterday and was like a dust cold, storm. And cold dips, too. Cold dips and wind, which is, I think killed some stuff. And... If this is a really good reason to mulch, is if we're going to continue getting winds like this, yeah, it could blow your seeds away. It could even yeah. blow some of your little tiny seedlings away in the garden. When in doubt, eat it. 
Mulch it. Mulch it. Yeah. Mulch it. Yeah. Well, um, I I have some update on my forsythia. Okay. The one that you took so long to plant. Yes. I bought it in in, um, maybe April of last year. I got it on sale at a local nursery. And then there it sat in the container all summer long. I watered it religiously, Uh but I just didn't dig a hole (laughs) and put it in (laughs) until October. Because wow. I thought, if I don't get this in, right? So I dug it in, and I was worried that it was too late. It is blooming. Oh, that is nice. It's tiny right now. Maybe it's like two feet tall, but it's supposed to get to maybe be about a five-foot-tall forsythia bush, and it's just starting to bloom. So, And I love this time of year, too, when you see all that bright yellow when you're on a drive, and you just see forsythia bush, forsythia yeah. bush. I yeah. just think it's so pretty. So that's pretty exciting. And then speaking of yellow, also what's coming up, though? Our dandelions. Oh my gosh, Christy, I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, I have something to say about it. Go ahead. Well, you know how this is the time of year we always see all these feeds where people will say on Facebook, you know, don't pull up your dandelions, Mm -hmm. leave them there because they are the bee's first food. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be controversial, Edith. Uh Uh-oh. And I'm going to say why people should pull up their dandelions. Why? Because they are not of beneficial to bees. That dandelions lack the vital amino acids and nutrients that bees need, one. Second of all, there are a bunch of other flowers that are blooming this time of year that bees prefer, like hyacinths and tulips and crocuses. Right now, my yard, all my grape hyacinths are blooming. Mm -hmm. And they also say that, um, you know, when you... When you pull a dandelion, you don't get it out. Mm-hmm. It's just going to multiply. Mm-hmm. So really pulling them, you'll get more dandelions with it. So I am pulling, I, I'm doing it, Edith. I'm wow. pulling my dandelions and I'm letting the bees enjoy all the other things that I have. In now, I, I completely disagree with you. <laughs> no, I thought you I would. I really do be, for a couple of reasons. Number one, when you look up and down a street, how many people have taken the trouble to grow the hyacinth and all those things? Not a lot. But dandelions grow everywhere. And I do see bees on my dandelions. Well, I think it's just the lazy person's excuse to not pull their dandelions. <laughs> oh, no, Christy. Oh, That's you're harsh today. I think I'm pulling my dandelions. I'm not going to pull mine. And then I'll also say that um, I did, I put down some milky spore to prevent Japanese beetles, uh-huh. which, of course, as we said before, we don't know that it works, but it somehow no. makes me feel psychologically better. Well, good. So um, we'll see. I didn't have, I kind of ran out. So I kind of, I did the front yard. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of see, maybe that's a, that'll be a test to see if I get Japanese beetles in the front yard uh-huh. or in the backyard, because I've got things that they like on both of them. So Okay. Good test. Okay. And so what's cool today is that we're going to have our pot plays this week are all going to be Shakespeare themed in honor of William Shakespeare's birthday. The first one we have is going to be um, Hamlet the Gardener. And then the second one we have for it is a brand new one that only the garden party has heard. And right. Edith wrote it. It is about the two witches of Macbeth. So make sure you stay tuned later for that one. We've got a great mailbag this week. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got a good inspiration. Oh, and we should tell people that if there are words or terms they don't understand, what should they do, Edith? They should probably look them up in our Upside Down Dictionary. Which is on our website. It's on our website. Yes, the humorous and always interesting and informative Upside Down Dictionary. And um, check out what we have on YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram, all those things. Okay, enjoy Hamlet the Gardener. 
that this too, too solid ice would melt, thaw, and resolve itself into a dew. Oh, God. Oh, God. How weary, stale, flat, and unprofitable seem to me all the uses of this garden. Fie on it. Oh, fie. Tis an unweeded garden that grows to seed. Things rank and gross in nature possess it merely. Hamlet, it's winter in Denmark. Of course the ground is frozen solid. But two months dead, Ophelia. Zone 9, Hamlet. It happens every year. Oh, most pernicious woman. Oh, villain. Villain smiling. Damned villain. I don't control the seasons. To weed or not to weed. That is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous bindweed or to pull them out. This weed of troubles and, by thus doing, end them. Nobody weeds in the winter because it's pointless. The ground is frozen. I have of late, but wherefore I know not, lost all my mirth. Then, oh God, I'll seed. Ophelia, get thee to a nursery and procure me some seeds. Get thee to a nursery. Go. Farewell. To a nursery go and quickly too. Hamlet. You get like this every winter when you can no longer garden. Look, here's something you wrote to me last summer. I'll read it to you. <clears throat> what a piece of work is a garden. How noble the gardener. How infinite in faculty. In form and moving, how express and admirable. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world. Give it a little while, Hamlet. The garden will be back. All right, Ophelia. Let's go sit by the brook. Yes, let's do. I love the brook. Well, friends, if you've listened to Upside Down Tulips before, you know how often we speak and fondly of an amazing seed company based out of Colorado called Botanical Interests. They have the most unique seed packets that include art and garden history and landscape ideas and recipes and fun facts and, of course, the best high-quality seed. And my garden and Edith's garden are filled with veggies, flowers, and herbs that we have successfully grown from botanical interest seeds. Now, because as you folks know, Edith and I are just simple backyard gardeners and every now and then, we want to treat you with an expert. And boy, do we have a fun expert for you today, Judy Seaborn, the co-owner of Botanical Interests. Judy I, Judy, I just think you have gardening in your blood. I love how the fact that your parents encouraged you to read by purchasing a magazine subscription to Organic Gardener. Um, in 1995, she, with her partner, started Botanical Interests in Broomfield, Colorado, out of their garage and sold seed packet lines to independent garden centers. And in 2008, the company expanded its offerings and started shipping seeds directly to customers. So today, Botanical Interest sells more than 650 organic seed varieties, has 48 employees, ships to 12 million across the country to 4,000 outlets that include garden centers, gourmet grocery stores, and hardware stores. 
She joins us today just up the road from me and Edith in beautiful Niwak, Colorado. And she happens to be in her garage as we're talking, uh, planting seeds. Judy, welcome to Upside Down Tulips. You are so sweet. Thank you so much. I love seeing you in your garage. And I have all this envy right now of your amazing seed starting process. Um, uh, What are you planting today? Um, Today, I am going to put in another flat of uh, some cold season things. Uh, It's a little chilly here. So I've got some bok choy, some baby bok choy. I want to compare the difference um, doing the burgundy broccoli or broccoli and i'm also going to start some uh cardinal basil not as it's not really for eating it's actually a cut flower it's gorgeous i'm gonna have to get some and it stays uh fresh in a vase for so long you've got these just gorgeous burgundy plumes that come out of the top i actually gave some to a, a friend who's a florist and she just like almost jumped out of her skin. She was so excited. Oh, that's so cool. Well, we'll all have to get some and see how they put them up on our Facebook page and everybody can share their beautiful burgundy basil this year. One question I always get from people is like, how do you decide what to plant when? And that was a big thing when we designed our packets because it was, I was a gardener in California. When I moved to Colorado, I'm like, okay, this is a lot different than being in the Bay Area of California. (laughs) So when do I start stuff? When do I plant things? Mm -hmm. Find our packet so that it's all based on your average last frost. So if I was in California, I would know, you know, three weeks before my average last frost, I would know that's like end of January. (laughs) So I could start things in December and plant them out. Out here, of course, no, my average last frost is May 15th. So I'm planting things that I could be putting out now a little bit before May 15th because these are cool. These are cool hardy. So I can put them out. But I'm not trusting our weather here that it won't frost one more couple more good hard frosts. So indoors, so I have a little head start with little seedlings ready to go. I'm not gonna let them get too big. Uh, they'll just be tiny when I transplant them out and uh yeah, it just gives me a little head start. Do you have any trouble when you move the little tiny plants out into the yard? Well, even on the packets, we'll notate not recommended if it's better just to sow them directly outdoors. One that I finally have learned, uh, spinach and parsley, two that mistakes. I would try starting them indoors. I get nice little seedlings. I put them outdoor and they would just bolt. Well, that's because I have them under nice, warm conditions with lights on 24 hours a day, then I put them outside in a cool environment, shorter days lengths, and they think it's fall. Those two in particular are kind of sensitive to it. So now I always just direct sow parsley into the garden and I have gorgeous parsley all summer long. I think that's one mistake people do a lot of times is they try to start everything inside. There are so many things that you should just direct sow. Squash, just make a little hole and put a couple of seeds in there. You've got squash in a week. <laughs> and then um, you don't have to worry about hardening it off and it'll catch up. I've noticed that too, that if I start them, if I start something inside and then a couple of weeks later, I'll start sow something directly into the ground. Eventually the ones that were in the ground have caught up with the ones I did inside and they're not as leggy and they're actually happier. They're way happier. 
zinnias in particular too, they, they don't really benefit from starting them early. They're going to wait until it's warm and toasty and then they'll do their thing. It's really just better just to direct sow them. It's so hard to wait though, isn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> I get, all right, now I have, um, I think I have gardening fever. Oh, I have such bad gardening fever. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm done with, you know, everything being brown around here. I want, I'm ready for green. Carrot seeds I sowed a couple of weeks ago, um, even though it's cold, they'll sit there and when it, the soil warms up to the correct temperature, they'll pop up. And we have all that on the packets. Now beans, if you do the same thing with beans, um, they'll rot. So you need to wait for it to warm up, then put your beans out. And again, that's all in the packet. So we guide you through it because we really do want you to be successful and, and learn all these little weird tips. <laughs> well, that's one thing that I just so love about your seed packets is that you, in addition to just wanting people to garden, you're trying to educate people too. I've learned so much about gardening from your seed packets. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's Sunset Magazine once called us the mini encyclopedia of seed packets. I love that. <laughs> it's true. And also I think about your seed packets is that they're just so beautiful. Um, the artwork that you have on all the seed packets, they've just been so beautifully rendered by, you know, botanical artists who um, they're, they're a thing of art on themselves. Well, I, I kind of have always felt like gardeners are half artists themselves and half scientists. You know, we love the science and making soil that smells rich and healthy and uh, all that science part of it and kind of historians as well. Like where did this plant come from? But we're also artists and we like uh, to like create beautiful surroundings. And I figured you'd appreciate the art on the packets instead of them just photos. And in addition to all the beautiful artwork that's on the cover, you also have great detail inside the packet. I don't, there's nobody else that has information inside the seed packet. Is there Judy? There really isn't. Uh, even when we first did it, um, our printer is like, oh, it's going to cost more. You know, you can't, you does, you're never going to make it with that kind of cost. And like, nope, that's what we want to do. And because I, I felt like we needed the extra space to put in the, the history of a plant, mm -hmm. the recipes. I love to cook. So um, I wanted to put recipes on the inside of the packet as well. And even an occasional bit of poetry. <laughs> I love how you have a little drawing of what the seedling will look like. That's really helpful. Because it's so yeah. often that things will come up and you don't know what they are or you're planting things and you forgot what you planted. And then now because of your seed packets, because I know what little seedlings look like, I know when they come up, I know what's a volunteer. I know, oh, that's not a weed. That's, I'm going to keep that. That's a, that's a zidia coming up. I know what the little plants look like. My daughter's will often FaceTime me and it's like, mom, is that a weed or something I want? <laughs> <laughs> right. And I have often nurtured what turned out to be a big old weed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of mistakes, Judy, what are some of your favorite gardening mistakes? Because Edith and I love to share um, all the foibles that we have so that other people can profit from our failures. Oh my gosh, I have lots of them. But that's the fun part about gardening. They're not mistakes. It's trial and error, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm going to call it. Um, one that I always thought was really funny was I designed a garden, my previous um, home 
and got the wood beds in, fluffed all the soil, ready to go, took my wheelbarrow out there. I'm like, oh, I made the pathway too narrow, so I couldn't set my wheelbarrow down. Oh, no. <laughs> One of those faux was like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I should know better than making a, my pathway too narrow for a wheelbarrow to set down. One we often hear from people, too, is when they're sowing seeds, they tend to bury them. You don't need to bury seeds. Um, a quarter of an inch really isn't very deep. That's just barely pressing it into the soil. And some of the seeds that are so tiny, like a lettuce seed, it's just like a little thin stick. Actually, what I do is I just make my trough, kind of tap it down lightly, sprinkle my seeds on there. I'll just take some soil in my hand and just rub it over the top. And honestly, when you water, the seeds sink in to the depth that they need to go. Um, if you've like fluffed your soil enough. and Fluffy soil is very important. They, they find their way. <laughs> and sometimes beans too, they rot because people, they, they bury them. Instead of planting them, they kind of put them in a grave. <laughs> I've done that before. I must confess that I have, I feel like I've done that a lot with beans is I've rotted them by putting them out too early and burying them too deep. Yep. Yep. Uh, even when I do uh, sowing indoors, like I'm doing today, I might even just put them on the top of the soil and take my mister and just mist the soil to let them just sink into the soil just enough. And then if I have to take some more uh, pot, uh, seed starting soil and just kind of rub it over the top of them, it's often enough. And even on the packets, we'll even tell you which things need light to germinate. So they want to be on top of the surface. I find that they, so helpful. Yeah. Who would have thunk? <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about watering, I think that too, that some people, you know, water so heavily, so with such pressure that little seedlings just can't hack it. And to be so gentle with your, with watering. I love the misting idea. Misting is fine for this small area, but when I'm, I'll be sowing outside this weekend uh, with a lot of lettuce and um, other varieties, people will like use their thumb on their hose to water and those big droplets of water. Test it yourself, you know, uh, go out and use your thumb and see how disruptive that is to the soil. And that those first couple days when the seedlings trying to drop its root into the soil. It's just such a small area. It needs to be a gentle rain. So I actually have a diffuser that I put on my hose that just does a real light sprinkle. Another problem people have, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people understand this one. I do it frequently. Uh, I, I won't have my row level. I'm, I'm, I'm a gardener. I try to be tidy, but I just can't do it. Um, I'll draw my line with my trowel and drop my seeds in there and water and the water will pool in one area because it's just a little bit deeper than the rest of the area and lettuce, which I've just sprinkled on the top surface will float down into that area. And when it germinates, I have just this plethora of seedlings in one spot. And it's usually because the seeds have floated into this one pool I have done that. I've done that um, with, with carrots, with lettuce, with basil. Sometimes I'll plant basil and I'll, I'll have this little clump and then I'll have these 
areas that are totally empty. And that's interesting, Judy, because I would often think it was like, well, maybe that's just because they were maybe, and maybe they I did plant them too deep or something like that, or maybe they just floated. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it helps to pre-moisten that soil. So then you can just lightly, you know, water it that next time. So moisten your soil before you plant your seeds. Well, that is a great tip for everybody. And also, I'm really happy that you said the word moisten because um, Edith hates that word moist and she hates saying moist soil, though she's getting better at it. She has come around to it. So whenever we say the word moist, we always got to give a shout out to the word moist on the podcast. <laughs> my my younger daughter hates the word moist. What is that? <laughs> yeah, and you know, and Edith, and we've discovered though that there's it's the only word that can describe what we want. Like you wouldn't say it's the only way to describe good cake too. Um, I guess I could say dampen the soil, but it's not as the same. <laughs> yeah, and to have say, oh, this cake is so nice and damp. It doesn't. You got to have the word moist. Sound delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, Judy, I was so thought about you and um, botanical interests um, in Broomfield, Colorado on December 30th, because that is when the Marshall Fire happened in our community. Um, it was about at 1030, a grass fire broke out. And in terms of structures that were lost, it was the most destructive fire in the history of Colorado. And if my understanding is that that night you were still at work, weren't you? I was. I was there with the night crew, and that was a terrifying evening. I was still hanging out, see how it was going. The winds were blowing straight towards the warehouse from Lafayette. There's a field that it could have just streamed straight across a neighborhood and then the warehouse, uh, a small neighborhood. And it just was, that wind was wicked. The smoke was just curling right over the top of the warehouse. And I finally was like, nope, safety first, everybody out, let's go. Uh, the evacuation area was just a couple blocks away from us. Uh, so we had yet been told to evacuate, but just to be safe. My uh, lead accountant and I were running around the warehouse. It's like, gosh, what do we take? Um, that's been quite the discussion around Colorado now. It's like, what, what do you take? Yeah, we left and I even have a photo further up the road from Highway 52 or 287, excuse me, looking back towards the warehouse and towards Lafayette and just in the night sky seeing, gosh, there had to have been like six fires going all at once. The smoke just curling right over to where the warehouse was. But from some lucky star, though, it helped the fires too. The, the wind turned. Oh. And... um that was a horrifying night. And I had so many friends in Lafayette, a couple of, you know, one of my artists lives in Lafayette. She was two blocks from where homes burned to the ground. And we all know, you know, at least a couple of people who lost their homes and what they're going through now and trying to rebuild and just the emotional, it's, it's, it's been horrible. And it, I feel, I just feel so much for them and their losses. And I don't know how one can protect a seed manufacturing warehouse in a fire. I don't know if I'd have a business the next morning. So the next day you went there and you and what what were you thinking? What was going through your mind? Uh, 
I did know that the warehouse was still there. Um, actually, uh, had one person go and check on it in the middle of the night. So they're like, I got to go see. I got to make sure everything's okay. And we were, you know, keeping close tabs of how the how the fire was progressing. Oh, well, I'm so grateful that the wind turned. And also grateful for everything that you've done for the community. Uh, you raised $13,000. The little panic that I had, which was huge for me, I can only imagine the people who their homes were lost and the panic they felt and the loss they experienced. I just wanted to you know, do something for them and help them out mm-hmm. however I could. We do what we can, you know, we're, in, we're entrusted with people in our lives and communities in our lives and we need to do what we can. Another reason why your company has such a special place in our hearts, Judy. Well, okay, let's let's talk about what else is happening in your garden this year. Uh, what's one plant, Judy, that you must always have in your yard every year? There are a couple varieties that I carry just because I want them <laughs> every year. <laughs> no, they're not popular. Most people don't know about them, but I must have them in my yard every year. The Koshiana Indian Peace Pipe. It's this tall plant with white drooping flowers and the fragrance. It 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 doesn't smell all day, but at five o'clock at sunset, the fragrance is just heavenly. The hummingbirds and sphinx moth loves them. Actually, that's kind of a funny story. Um, sphinx moth. You know, the, a lot of gardens in Arizona they'll, they'll even have a section. I had, there was one garden in Colorado. Uh, that had a section of things that attracted sphinx moths because they look like hummingbirds. They flutter like hummingbirds. And I just started laughing so hard because I'm like, you know what a sphinx moth is before it's a sphinx moth, right? Do you know? No, what? It's a tomato hornworm. (laughs) No. Oh, you're (laughs) kidding me. Our lovely sphinx moths are tomato hornworms. (laughs) Oh, um, which must be just squished immediately upon seeing them. They're kind of fun to take out and put on the street. Oh, is that what <laughs> you a- do? I, I like squishing them. My, my, ooh, ooh, no, that's so close. There's <laughs> punch with me. The and they go put them out in the street. And, uh, but now I have to let the hornworms actually have their place in my garden because I do love the sphinx moth. Wow. <laughs> I are had- gorgeous. They, they really are good. gorgeous. I did not know that at all. All of our packets are written to garden organically and to include pollinators and all the creatures live in our gardens. And that's a good story to remind us. Everything has its place. And let's, you know, create gardens that are inclusive to all the creatures who need to live here also. I have uh, water fountains and I have different areas for Creatures, I even have a couple like tunnel areas for bunnies to hide in because I do love the bunnies. And everybody's like, oh, don't they eat your garden? And I'm like, have you seen how big my garden is? It's fine. They could have some. <laughs> but honestly, the bunnies just want the grass. So they just trim my grass. And that's fine. I've noticed that. for um, I have a bunny for the first time in my yard in 20 years, Judy, because we've had fox before, but all the fox are gone for some reason. And so we have a little bunny and I, and I was worried about it, but then I've noticed that all she does, I'm assuming it's a girl. I named her Cindy, which is probably not a good idea because as soon as I name something, 
but all she eats is the grass. Yeah. Come fall, I, as I was cleaning up the spring, yeah, I found bunny parts under a couple of the trees because I do have owls also. And uh, there is a fox family that lives in the back. And they tend to go away when there aren't any bunnies. So now that the bunnies are back, the fox will probably be back also. It's nature. I have something living in my juniper right now, and I can't figure out what it is. I, I see the stat down below, and they have pooped in my compost bin, which, because um, it was nice and warm all winter, compost piles are wonderful for attracting wildlife in good ways and bad, but okay. But yeah, I'm really stumped. I don't know what it is. I'm 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 almost thinking it's the bobcat that's been in my watch. Oh, should be cool. so that's a pretty good sized piece of poo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be, but, that would be cool and scary. I'm, I'm fine with it, except I just planted a whole row of kale and I went out and this creature dug right where I planted the kale. Okay. It could have dug the hole next to where <laughs> the toilet, the soil was tilled and nice and soft, but no, I had to dig right where I planted the kale line. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, probably thought, hey, this is really, this looks really good. <laughs> we do carry uh, a couple different kales and two that I plant every year. I always do a row of dinosaur kale or it's got so many uh, common names. It's uh, Toscano kale, kale narrow, Toscano, dinosaur kale. Ah, I got one that you knew. Yeah. There we go. See, I've grown that. Alien. I've grown that from botanical interest before, it's, but it was fantastic. It's one of my girl's favorite meals was I would always grow dinosaur kale. And it's so good at the end of the season because it sweetens once it gets hit by a frost. But you just pull it off of its stems, chop it into pieces, saute it with a little garlic and olive oil, and throw it over pasta parmesan cheese. Oh, it's to die for. Yeah. And yeah, my girls would beg for a kale dinner. What children ask for kale? Nice job, mom. Hey. And then I also always grow, uh, I have a kale mix that I, I made for me because um, I do like the mixed kales. I just grow it as a baby green. I, I direct sow it really thickly in, the, in a box and then just trim it off and just toss it as a salad. It's so good. And it's nice that you mentioned about just throwing it in a box because to grow a baby green, you don't need something very deep. You just need maybe like four inches, don't you think, Judy? Honestly, yeah, you could just use a large pot if you'd like. It doesn't even have to be terribly deep, but just, yeah, germinate it, let it pop up. Those first few leaves, trim it off. Actually, in the winter, I, since I do kind of have a, I'm spoiled, I do have kind of a neat setup here in the garage. Um, I'll even put it in a, a flat and just grow a flat of baby greens um, or even as microgreens. I do love microgreens. They're so good. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out later on today because this is just planting time. It's all about getting outside, trying some things. Uh, Judy, it has been such a joy to, I've got to say, I'm, I'm, a just, I'm, I'm a little crush just because I've just loved your company for so long and it's been such an honor to meet you. We hope you come back again and talk with everybody about what's going on in your garden and how we can all become better gardeners and stewards of our planet. Thank you so much for inviting me. I was really flattered when you invited me to join you. We think the world of you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm always happy to like chat with other gardening friends.
hast thou been, sister Aimaboyle? Killing swine. And look here, I have a pilot's thumb, wrecked as homeward he did come. Oh my! Double, double, toil and travel. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Thrice the brindled cat hath mewed. Thrice and once the hedge pig whined. Tis time, tis time. Double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Round about the cauldron go. In the poisoned entrails throw. Toad that under cold stone days and nights has 31. Swelt red venom sleeping got. Boil thou first in the charmed pot. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Yes, so wicked. Tis the cold virus that has infected our dear witch sister Miasma. No, Esma Puss. The wicked thing that comes, and that this brew is for, is Macbeth, future Thane of Cawdor! No, it isn't. This brew is for our snot-strangled sister, poor congested miasma. This brew is a cure for the common cold, culled from vegetables and herbs from my garden. See how I add the garlic, rosemary, and sage, classic herbs for colds and sore throats. Both are known for their antimicrobial and antiviral properties. Rosemary is said to stimulate the circulatory system and thus is thought to encourage blood flow to the brain to relieve headaches. And a chicken, killed most mercifully in her sleep. What has happened to you, Esmapus? We're not physicians, we're witches! What has happened to you? Scale of dragon, tooth of wolf, witch's mummy, mon, gulf of the raven, sea, salt, shark. Stop it! I'm a boil. Stop turning this into an evil brew for black magic charms. I'm trying to make a chicken and vegetable garden soup. No! Filet of a fenny snake oh. in the cauldron boil and bake. Eye of newt and toe of frog. No! Not newt eyes. Nobody likes newt eyes. Ignoring you. Wool of bat and dung of dog. Adder's fork and blind worm sting. Lizard's leg and owlet's wing. Not the wing of a baby owl. I'm a boil. You're awful. Of course I'm awful. I'm a witch. Owlet's wing for a charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth boil and bubble. Double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Parsnips and carrots, onions and parsley. Well, there you go. Can't put parsnips in a black magic brew. I know that I'm a boil, and I can't serve a healing soup with an owlet's wing in it. So this whole cauldron is ruined. We might as well just dump this out right now. No, we'll put it in my compost pile. I don't even think you're a witch anymore. Never mind that. Grab the cauldron. To the compost pile we go. <sighs> Hey, I'm carrying most of the weight here. Why do I have the heavy end? It's a round pot, I'm a boil. There is no heavy end. Well, I've got some eucalyptus, by the way, for my asthma's cold. Oh, I'm a boil. You're not all bad after all. I know it. 
don't tell anybody. Come on. I won't. <laughs> well, that that was great. I was so, I was so honored to meet her because I, I, we've talked about those seeds on this podcast from day one. And my favorite thing is that she makes mistakes too. Yeah. And she's a complete expert, you know? <laughs> yeah. And here's a mistake that she talked about that I make all the time. And I I never, okay, you know when you make a ridged, what is it called? When you make a furrow? A furrow, a little tiny furrow, say uh-huh. you're planting little tiny seeds. Well, if if it dips, if it's not level and it rains it's or you water it, the seeds are going to collect at the lowest point and you're not going to have a row of seeds. You're going to have a little clump. I do that all the time, too. I do, too. With lettuce, with basil. Yes. And I used to think, like, well, why is why do I have this big clump of basil over here? And nowhere and else. nowhere else. Yeah. And then I think, and I, you know what? I think what's really sad is I think I blame the seed. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, and oh. I loved her tip about to pre-moisten. Always pre-moisten. Shout out yep. to moist. Yeah. To, pre, to pre-moisten that area. Yeah. I thought that was a really good tip. And then she said she can just take a handful of soil and just lightly put it on yeah. top so you're not burying. Anyway, it was a wonderful interview. You did a great job interviewing her. Oh, thanks. You really did. Well, I think um, I think we'll have to bring her back too. And isn't that great about the, the, the wind change during the Marshall Fire and the yeah. warehouse was saved? Yeah. Could you imagine? Because yeah. I was thinking, Edith, like, you can't have a sprinkler system in a seed warehouse. You'd ruin the seeds. Yeah. Of like, course. what do you do? I mean, she would have, they would have lost everything. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So, thanks to Judy, and we'll make sure that she comes back. It was an exciting episode. Great. Edith, what? You know what time it is? What is it? Ring, ring. It's mailbag time. Mailbag time. Okay. We have a letter this week from Teresa, who lives in Pittsburgh. And um, this is my favorite part of it. Hi, Edith and Christy. That's my favorite part. She said, <laughs> oh, she said your name she first. She said my name first. Uh, <laughs> Nobody ever does that. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, maybe maybe some therapy might help with that. <laughs> some therapy might help with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How do you know I'm not in therapy? Okay. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> she says, hi, Edith and Christy. My aunt is an avid gardener, and I've passed along your podcast to her. And she is passing along to her fellow master gardeners in Mississippi. That's cool. That's a great state to garden. Yes, I bet it is. They can do anything down there. Yeah. I'm writing because I'm wondering if y'all, she really does talk like that, folks. She says y'all all all the time. I think she's from Kentucky. If y'all have done a show on herbs and witchy stuff and how they're used for oils, spells, et cetera, and the history of that. Anyway, maybe you already have. I look forward to listening to whatever you do. Love, Teresa, smiley face, dot, dot. Huh? Nice. That's, That's great. such a nice letter. And I, I loved it too that she's offering suggestions for us to cover. Well, yeah. We could do, we could literally do, again, we're not experts and we're not medicinal people, but we could literally do an entire episode on that, even more than one. I, I, I totally agree. And, um, you know, maybe we could put that in around, it'd be fun to do it around like the Halloween episode or oh, something like that. Oh, that's a great like idea. That. Christy, that's a great idea. Yeah. But in the meantime, we've gone to the trouble because that's who we are <laughs> of doing some research. And you are doing mugwort. Yeah, I looked up, I found this information at the Salem Witch Museum, by the way. Wow. Which had a list of medicinal and magical herbs. And um, mugwort, which is also known as Artemisia vulgaris, it um, has a lot of really great virtues. And this is a perennial plant that people can find anywhere. It's in the state of Colorado. It's in almost 
every roadside in the United States and Canada. Um, and you could find it around railroads or riverbanks or waste places. So, uh, many people consider it a weed. Um, but it's common for uh, many of us to probably walk by mugwort and not even give it a second you glance. Know, that's a really good name for a witch, mugwort, <laughs> isn't it? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. Um, so there are people who can consider it an invasive weed because it spreads quickly. But in the garden, it has been historically used in a powdered form to repel moths. Um, natural gardeners will use to lay branches of mugwort between rows of onions and carrots to discourage insects oh, wow. and other pests. Medicinally, it can be used for sore and achy muscles. So you can make a tea out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and it also um, is used around the world for uh, magical purposes. In witchcraft traditions, it has long been used to induce lucid dreaming and to enhance psychic powers. Oh, wow. So if you put it under your pillow, that can help to promote vivid dreams. Now, I wonder what they mean by lucid dreaming. Does that dreams that make sense, unlike the dreams we have where we're going, what was that about? Yeah, I think so. That's and and so dreams that you can remember and help you work through stuff, I guess. Okay. Mugwort, huh? Do you want me to talk about borage? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Yes, and moving please. on. No. <laughs> I picked borage for two reasons. One, I love the word borage. What a great word. Yeah. And Sancheré, who is in our play, she got she has been listening to our podcast. She doesn't garden, but she started to. She's got a box of herbs. And she goes, Edith, what is borage? I go, I don't know, but I'll look it up. So here's what I found, okay? It was known in Roman times as the herb or herb. What are we saying? Herb, herb. Um the French pronounce it herb, the Brits pronounce it herb, and Americans are sometimes inconsistent about which pronunciations okay. we want to use. I'll say herb because <laughs> yeah, the French are lusty. <laughs> you know I'm French, Edith, and then you always say that I'm I always lusty. say the French are lusty. <laughs> you are. You're a lusty person. Yeah, it's a good thing I don't talk about the German sense of humor then, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. With the jokes you bring? Okay. Here we go. Borage was one of was known as the herb of courage, and there are stories of Roman soldiers drinking borage flavored wine before going into battle. Oh, that's cool! Of medieval knights wearing scarves embroidered with borage flowers. According to old wives' tales, borage was sometimes smuggled into the drink of prospective husbands to give them courage to propose marriage. <laughs> Today, people still take. Um, borage. Borage is a, has little blue flowers. It grows everywhere. You can consume the whole thing if you wanted. Like not stuff it in your mouth at the one time, but you can <laughs> consume. I just had this picture of someone stuffing a whole borage plant. But you can consume um, the seeds, uh -huh. the leaves, the flowers. There are two very opposing um, opinions about this. One person says, that she used oral borage oil. Gosh, say that three times fast. Oral borage oil. It's like Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil. Yes, it is. She took capsules for two months. She gained 10 pounds and there was no change in eczema symptoms because in oil, people use it for skin. Okay. For skin. So that's a good way to use it. Another person said, did not help for joint pain. Also caused constipation, mood swings, <laughs> irritation, and nightmares. Oh, my God. Less enjoyment of music. <laughs> what a 
funny side of Fred. Well, maybe if it has if it has bad nightmares, maybe it, you know to fix that they should put some mugwort underneath their pillow. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Other people. Enjoy my music. I hate the song. <laughs> I hate every song. Stop music. <laughs> music sucks. Other people used borage oil and said it was a miracle treatment. One woman said that she put it on her knees and didn't need knee surgery and can now whip up and down stairs. Wow. Another person said she took it for walking pneumonia, a borage vinegar tincture, Mm -hmm. and it gave immediate turnaround for difficulties breathing, dry cough, and coughing bloody stage. (laughs) Another person... Took a, this is like a miracle slash it'll kill you drug. Another one opened a capsule, put it in about one fourth cup coconut olive oil blend, and her bad dermatitis went away. She also uses it for rashy bottom in the summer. <laughs> rashy bottom. <laughs> oh, that's another really good witch name. Yes. Rashy bottom yes, and, mugwort. and mugwort. Well, the, the yep, downside okay, go ahead. is it is toxic to cats and dogs. That's the only downside. Well, <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe I like no music and rashy bottoms. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, folks, if you have suggestions for a topic that we should talk about, if you want to have us look up more reasons that you, we can get rid of your rashy bottom, yeah, you should you, write to us. Why wouldn't you? I mean, we don't know what you're thinking unless you let us know. You can go to our website at UpsideDownTulips.com. Yeah, yeah, and, and upside down tulips at Gmail at Gmail. That's the one I was going for. Okay, right. yeah, that's and the let one. us. Oh, and let us know how you're going to celebrate World Naked Gardening Day. We want to know what people are doing. Why? Why won't you say Vagina Day? Why will you always <laughs> go with the world? Because they're the same thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> oh oh, piano music, folks. For inspiration this week, Christy. Please inspire us. This week's inspiration comes from Carl Linnaeus, who was a Swedish botanist, zoologist, physician who formalized the modern system of naming organisms. If a tree dies, plant another in its place. Really? (laughs) It's kind of obvious. (laughs) I thought that would be helpful because of your plum tree. Oh, I see what you're doing. Hey, there were blossoms on my peach tree. We didn't have a frost, so we're all going to have peaches this summer. Nice. That includes you. I hope you plant another plum tree, Edith. That's what that was for. Oh, that's very sweet. There you go. Okay. Well, everyone, sorry that wasn't very inspiring, but I hope you enjoyed listening to us. I'm sorry, folks. I'm such an insensitive person. Well, that's kind of self-evident. Yeah, really. Sorry. We are Edith Weiss and Christy Montour Larson. If you got some laughs, some value, I'm sure you did, do us a favor, would you? Hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. She's so good. Go to denisegentilini.com and um, you'll hear it for yourself. Thank you to the many talents of our kind friend, Jason Maxwell. Love him. Thank you to our excellent yet enigmatic engineer. And a special thanks to our local nursery and friend of the show, Southwest Gardens. Shout out to Carrie. Hi. Join us in two weeks for another episode that will delight and amaze you, and I'm going to tell you how to hypnotize a chicken. (laughs) I am. Okay, good. Okay. And don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. 
Vagina. <laughs> <laughs>